Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Dave Melton, back at it again, the assistant editor from Second City Hockey. And with me tonight, the two people you're very used to hearing on these airwaves, First off, he's the resident Second City Hockey pun master. It is Brandon Kane. Oh. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. And the other voice that you're used to hearing here, it is the resident Alex DeBrinkett hater, Shepard Price. I uh, do not hate Alex DeBrinkett. I simply (laughs) think he needs to do more than score 20 goals this season. Just really wanted to quickly throw you under the bus for everyone else to drive over before we even get started tonight. If you're if you're if your sole job, as as Alex DeBrink has sort of made clear that he believes the sole job is to score goals, can't score twenty, but you have to score at least thirty. Fair, that's a fair point. But we'll uh we'll, we'll deal with that later. He doesn't actually hate Alex DeBrink, folks. I promise. We just I just I just like to get him hate mail on Twitter as soon as possible. So, yeah. so here we are. I'm not I'm not on Twitter anymore. So let's go. <laughs> Smart move. Probably for the best. Mental health, baby. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we're coming to you kind of in the uh, the middle of the bye week wastelands. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of hockey going on in general right now. Definitely none going on for the Blackhawks. Haven't played since last Tuesday's game against the Florida Panthers, losing to old coach with his new team, Joe Quinville. So because there's been nothing happening on the ice for us to talk out talk about, excuse me, we want to take a step back tonight and do something. A little bit bigger picture, a little bit of a wider lens, wider focus on our discussion tonight. And we, we were discussing this before we started recording here, and I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to work, but here's the general idea of what we're working with, is that it seems like the Blackhawks have not committed to a full rebuild, and they're working in the direction of trying to win a fourth cup while Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Duncan Keith are still 
doing things at the level at which they can, Patrick Kane especially. So what we want to figure out tonight is kind of what is the quickest path for them to get to another Stanley Cup and whether or not they're going to be able to do that before Patrick Kane starts to regress. Because I think Kane, we were talking about this before we started here, is that it seems like as long as Patrick Kane is still being the A-plus forward, as Shepard described him earlier, uh, if he's still playing at that level, the Hawks still have a shot because not every team has a Patrick Kane. Once Kane stops doing what he's doing, they don't really have anybody else with his skill set and with his level of play in the system. And that's when you're probably going to have to really talk about blowing things up. And it's because of the Blackhawks have had this recent 12 and six stretch in the last 18 games, they're back into the playoff picture. So I think all tanking discussions have probably ceased for a while. So with that in mind, first off, I guess, just what, what do you see Shepard as, I guess, how likely do you see a Stanley Cup for this team? We'll say in the next two to three seasons. Like, I guess, may, I don't know if you want to put a percentage on it, put a grade on it. Just do you think it's possible for this team to pull it off to win a fourth cup in the next two to three years? Possible, yes. Likely, no, because there's one key factor I see. Okay. Uh, I, think you're, I think you're seeing in this sort of sustained run since the new year, uh, the new sort of Blackhawks is that they have the roster potential. They have the roster talent. Their system still doesn't work. still doesn't maximize those talents. Okay. Uh, I, if, if you do one key thing, maybe, and that's hire a new coach because Jeremy <laughs> Collins is not going to win you a cup. Okay. That, I, that was much more of a sturdier foundation to your argument than I expected any of us to have because this is such a, very vague and not firm topic I guess we're talking about so did not but but impressed because I I can see the point I mean Jeremy Colleton has not he hasn't been a coach in the NHL so you don't know if he can win anything and there's certainly still questions that exist about his system because it hasn't happened as much in the last month or two but there's just seems like there's so many instances where there's a guy wide open in the slot in front of the goaltender with an easy chance to score who usually scores and that just – it seemed like it happened too often to ever think the Blackhawks were going to be good. And at some point, it seemed like it was more of a scheme and strategy or system issue than it was a player issue. So I, I see what you're getting at with that, Shepard. I can't say I disagree. Brandon, what about you? Where do you think – where would you put the likelihood of another Blackhawks Stanley Cup in the next two to three seasons roughly? Well, I would say – Less than 69%. I, I figured you were going to go with 69 or 83, so. That's, yeah. significant, that's, a good, that's significantly less nice. The reason behind that is what Shepard said with the system and players not either being put in optimal situations or just not performing to where they should be. And also the state of a certain team that – plays out West that is in the central division. I couldn't possibly know who you're talking about there. Yeah. The Arizona coyotes. <laughs> I mean, the yeah, definitely the avalanche. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely going to be the biggest hurdle they're going to have to climb over the next couple of years is they're going to have to be uh, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and maybe even Bowen Byram who myself and, it seemed like everybody else wanted the Hawks to draft last year instead of Kirby Doc. Although maybe Kirby Doc ends up 
to be a pretty good player himself. So that that's hey, there's also player. New Hook that's on that was drafted in the first round last year. Too, New so. Hook and Timmons, and they have just an astounding blue line coming up. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of reasons to be scared about Colorado. I feel like there could be a really really good Hawks Avalanche. Uh, no, I almost said Norris Division, even though it doesn't exist anymore. But Central <laughs> Division Final in the second round of the playoffs could be a lot of fun between those two teams if we ever get to that point. And it'll be a throwback to like the night. I just remember the Jeremy Roenick quote when they had the series against the Avalanche with Patrick Wadney. Uh, Roenick said something about Wav's Jock was in the rafters or something, and then Wav said. I couldn't hear Jeremy because I had my Stanley Cup rings in my ears, which is still one of like the top five best replies I've ever heard in an interview from someone. But anyway, back to the topic on hand in this century, discussing this path to the fourth cup that the Blackhawks are going to get. And I think we're going to get a lot of answers about a lot of things in the next couple of months. First off, we're going to find out whether the Hawks are going to be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline based off how they play in the first few weeks with the trade deadline coming up at the end of February. And that'll hopefully give us some insight into what is going on uh, organizationally, kind of what their thought is. But the most intrigue is by far, I think, at the goaltending position, because at the moment, the Hawks do not have a goalie, at an NHL goalie that is under contract for next season. They have Colin Delia for two more seasons at $1 million, and then they just signed Matt Tompkins to a three-year deal. Those guys are probably AHL goalies. If Colin Delia really pans out, he's probably only a backup for the first season or two in the NHL. And then Kevin Lankinen, I believe, is an RFA after this season. So those are three goalies who are not going to be your number one at the NHL level. The two they have right now, Robin Leonard and Coy Crawford, are both on expiring contracts and will be unrestricted free agents this summer. So my first question to you, Shepard, is if you're looking at charting the shortest path to a Stanley Cup for the Blackhawks franchise, what do you do with that goaltender situation? When you say three people who won't be yours, number one, I think Columbus was in the same situation last season with Elvis, with Merzlikens and with uh, Corpus Hollow. And it turns out, oh, they had two number ones. Um, okay, fair. So well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write, I wouldn't write off Lankin and Delia just yet. It's okay, but that's but Columbus is also about their defensive system, and they're one of the top five defensive teams in the league. Um, right, right. Which the Blackhawks are not. Uh, Correct. But to to get back to your point, what's the quickest route? Uh, you got you go with the guy who got you there the first uh, two out of three times, um, who probably would have gotten you there the third time too, uh, if he was given the net over Cristobal Huey and Antini Emi, and you, you, Corey Crawford's not bad enough this season to give up on him. Uh, if okay. he's willing to stay in Chicago, he's willing to stay in Chicago. Uh, with that said, he's your second option. Uh, if Robin Leonard, who's younger, um, I know they're having discussions with his team right now. Uh, if he's willing to stay in Chicago at a $8 million or less, I think you go, you go Robin Leonard. If he's not willing to do that and he wants his $10 million, uh, with his Vezina season last season, Vezina nominee season last, last year, and the way he's playing this year, you trade him to, to the Hurricanes. Yeah, <laughs> right. They have a lot of really good players. Um, they don't have a lot of spots for the number of defensemen they have. You see if you can pry Hayden Fleury and Jake Bean from them. Okay. 
Cause that's, and th- that's where I think like the number one intriguing thing for me is, is the Robin Leonard situation. I think this is by far the most difficult decision that Stan Bowman will have to make in the next three to four months is what he does with Robin Leonard. Cause the number you said $8 million, I think that's where I was at. I was thinking roughly somewhere in the six to $8 million range uh, annual salary cap hit. That's what Leonard's going to get. And it's just a question of where he gets it at because the, and the issue with Chicago is that the Hawks uh, looking at their cap friendly page right now with uh, they have 30 or excuse me, 14 players under contract at the NHL level with a projected cap hit of 71 million. That NHL salary cap is right now at 81 and a half. It goes, I don't know, goes up to maybe what, like 85 next year. I, I don't know if there's a good way, but let's just say for the sake of math, they go up to $85 million next year with a salary cap ceiling. You add, and we'll go $7 million for Robin Leonard. That's to put you up just over 78. You have 15 players under contract. That means they're going to have to find another seven, eight skaters with $7 million of salary cap space. And that doesn't I, include that doesn't include Dylan Dylan Strom's extension yet. It right. doesn't include a number of, of players, Dominic Kubalik. Yet, yeah. uh, those two are arguably your most important. Besides the net, those two are the, arguably your most important two right. signings this year. And that and that's why I I've heard I've seen this floated in a few places. I've heard this on a few other Blackhawks podcasts I listen to, and I just I can't get my head around any other idea than trading Robin Leonard at the deadline and hoping that the return you get for Robin Leonard, if, if there's any kind of fall off between from Leonard to Crawford, that that is made up by the haul that you get for Robin Leonard. Cause you have a guy who won the Vezina should get nominated for it again. He's 28 years old. I think he's still very much in the prime of his career showing no signs of slowing down. Like the Hawks, could get so much from him. You could get uh, a, a number, a top prospect that's ready to go. You get a first round, a first round pick, and and maybe other picks on top of it. You could get a top four defenseman that's ready to go right now in play. Um, I, I even had one thought: you could package the Brent Seabrook contract with Robin Leonard. Obviously, no trade clauses involved in all that, but package that together, and then you have $7 million to play with in the offseason to sign whatever free agent defensemen are available. Haven't even looked to know what free agent defensemen are out there, and there probably aren't any good ones, but that was just another idea I had. So there's there's a lot of places to go here, and I keep I, – it, it's so hard to think about trading, trading away Robin Leonard when he's been so vital and so good for the Blackhawks this season, but – with the thing you mentioned, Shepard, where they're gonna have to pay Dylan Strom, they're gonna have to pay Dominic Kubalik, and I feel like if you can improve the play of the uh, skaters in front of the goalie, then the goalie position they don't have to rely on goalies as much as they are right now. Right. And uh, just so, quickly, quickly, Robin Leonard did not win the Vesna. He was a finalist. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Well, he'll be. A two-time Vezina finalist. He should be after this season. Thank you for yes. correcting me. But, You're good. And if they ended up re-signing Robin Leonard for five years and eight mil, seven million dollars a season, or they got him somehow to take a bridge deal for two or three years at six million dollars, although I'm not. After some of the, his comments to the media, he ain't taking anything other than a massive deal, as he should be. Like he 
He's he's earned it. He he deserves a big payday. So if the Hawks kept Leonard around, it wouldn't be totally disappointing. But I just keep thinking about the haul they could get for Robin Leonard at the deadline, and just oh, it seems like he could make the team in front of goalie so much better and whatever. But that that's that's where I'm at with this. And so I, I I'm still torn. I I I I can definitely would enjoy the haul, but I also Robin Leonard's a really good goalie. So. Brandon Kane, what about you? What are you thinking with all this stuff? I think that they'll keep Leonard, um, and they'll there goes my hope, and they'll trade Crawford. Uh, I don't know if it's done during the deadline because goalie trades aren't necessarily a thing that happens at the deadline, and mm-hmm. if they are, they're not really seen as successful because when you are a goalie and you're traded at the deadline, you have to switch systems like on the fly. And you have to learn all your new teammates and how to communicate with them. And when you are pushing for the playoffs, that's really not ideal. Right. Um, so in like in the theory of it, yes, trading a goalie makes sense. Like this guy's been performing super well, but then the other side of it is all the new things that he has to learn on the fly to get adjusted. And how long is that adjustment period? And, if the team is playing bad during that stretch, then you're like, well, we just got this goalie and he's struggling right away. And how long do you balance the needing to get him into games versus, well, he's not doing well. So we need to have someone else in there. Um, So that's why I don't foresee that happening, but I mean, I've been wrong plenty of times before. So yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I, I have no, just because they trade Robin Leonard doesn't mean they get a good haul for him. And so I, I could also definitely be wrong. I also shouldn't, should also mention the thing you said, Brandon, about trading Corey Crawford. Like that is definitely another option that's on the table. You can trade Corey Crawford. I don't think you'll get as much of a haul in a Crawford trade as you would in a Leonard trade because Crawford's older. The numbers aren't quite as good as Leonard's have been this season. And um, you know, I don't know how many guys teams are willing to pin their hopes on a 35 year old goalie, but he does have two Stanley cups on his resume. And Leonard does not have that. And maybe some GM is willing to look at Corey Crawford and say, you've won two cups. Here's everything in the world. Take them. So. Yeah. And that could be a situation where it's. You trade him to a team that gets eliminated from the playoffs and they thought their goaltending was good, but then they realized maybe it wasn't. Um, And it's one of those deals where it's like that week to two week period right before the NHL draft. Right. Because that seems like a weird window where there always just so happens to be trades that occur. And you can also, even those guys are two goalies or have expiring contracts, you can trade like the rights to negotiate with those two players in that window. Correct. Yeah, as you did with Scott Darling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and actually, I'm glad you mentioned Scott Darling, Shepard, because one of the other things about the Hawks over the last four to five years they're they've been able to like just pluck goalies out of nowhere and make them into pretty good NHL goalies. Like uh, Scott Darling was one. They pulled, I think it was in the ECHL at the time. They pulled Antti Ratta out of nowhere. And there's a there's uh, I mean they re revitalized Ray Emery's career. I mean go back a decade they turned Antti Niemi into a Stanley Cup winning goalie in a season when he wasn't exactly no one had really thought he was that good before. And I don't know if he's been that good since. So. 
they've they've shown the ability to just find goals, even like Colin Dilley and Kevin Lincoln and two other guys in the system. I think the Hawks just signed each of them as undrafted free agents, right? I know, yeah. I know they did. That was a case of Dilley. I don't know about Lincoln. So the Hawks can find goalies. Whether or not they can find him at the NHL level, that's another story. And I don't think there's anybody in the system that's going to be cracking through soon, like outside of Dilley and Lincoln and Tompkins. So, and 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 then the other thing I want to go back to, Shepard, as you mentioned Carolina as a, a trade destination. One of the other teams I've had my eye on a little bit in, in a trade situation. Now, there might take some cap flexibility here to make this work. Maybe the Hawks have to retain something or whatnot. The Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Do not have the best goaltending this season. Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith don't do much for you. I mean, maybe I, I, the one scenario I was thinking of is the trade you switch Leonard and Mike Smith. Mike Smith comes to Chicago and is Corey Crawford's backup, and Len, Leonard goes and becomes the number one in Edmonton. Mike Smith's expiring contract to a million dollars. And then you pull away from Edmonton one of their young D prospects that they've drafted the last few years, either Evan Bouchard or uh, Philip Broberg, I think is first name. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So that that was just one random, as I was looking around for potential trade destinations, that was one team that popped on my radar that a team with that's in the playoff chase with goaltending that's not great and heads defensive prospects or players that might be either at or near the NHL level with each of those guys were top 10 picks, so. So never. So that so there's one thing I'll just throw out into the wind, and I have no idea where that would go. Like Brandon said, uh, he's been wrong several times. I will also almost guarantee be <laughs> wrong about this trade. But if it happens in a month, I will play this on loop for the next podcast. It'll just be 45 minutes of that whole thing I just said. That'll be an entire podcast if I'm right. Carolina and Edmonton would also need to – like both teams would need some finagling because they have – Less than three and a half million. Yeah, and that and that's where like yeah, that's where the the salary cap wiggling and and all that like and that's that's what makes a lot of this so difficult. Is I was going at the cap friendly page, you look at the salary cap situations for teams in the NHL. There are very few teams with much wiggle room. I mean, you have to get down, you go know, about halfway down the list before you get into a team with three million dollars in cap space. So there's there's not. I, uh, I I was reading Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts today, and there did not seem like a lot of optimism about it being a lively trade market this year at the deadline. Now, that they also said that happens every year, and then every year they end up being wrong, but he said they're getting that feeling once again that there's just not a lot of things that teams are going to do this year. And to go, to go back to that point Brandon made, that it takes a goalie getting used to a system. Uh, a guy on what his fourth team uh, probably is used to getting used to a system pretty fast. Problem solved. There you go. Shepard Price solving everyone's problems. So the other, the other big picture thing, I think we've exhausted the goalie topic enough for now. The other big picture item that I wanted to dive into a little bit tonight is, is on the blue line because at Fords, uh, the Blackhawks Fords, they seem pretty much set. I mean, they, they've got some expiring contracts to deal with Kubalik and Strom. You know, well, I, I assume that we're going to want to keep both those guys around. There's not a ton of prospects in that area or anyone that's going to, I don't think there's really anybody left that's going to jump into the top six. Kirby Doc's already in Chicago. Maybe Evan Barrett, if he keeps popping off at Penn State, makes his way to the NHL level and 
sneaks into the top six or maybe in the third line somewhere. But there's not a lot of prospects at the uh, at the Blackhouse four position where there's a lot of intrigue. The blue line, though, totally different story. I mean, Adam Boquist is here. Nicholas Bonin is in the AHL, and every time Brandon Kane talks about him, it sounds like good things are happening for him down in Rockford. And then Ian Mitchell's tearing things up in Denver, I think still tearing things up. Every time I read about him, it was good. And so there's – there's a lot and a lot of interesting players on the blue line for the Blackhawks. And this is where I'm another area. I'm very intrigued with them because so I just named those prospects, Adam Boquist already there and has a roster spot. Ian Mitchell and Bowden could very much be in contention for one next summer when training camp comes out. And then if you look at the Blackhawks salary cap situation, Duncan Keith is under contract for next season. So are Ali Mata, Connor Murphy, Dennis Gilbert, Adam Boquist, Slater Cuckoo's a restricted free agent, Eric Gustafson's unrestricted, and then you also have Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook returning from season-ending surgeries. That's a lot of players for six spots. So, Shepard Price, we'll come back to you with this. Do you have any idea? Oh, I, I know one guy you're saying is going to go, but who's going to be around when this team gets to – I mean, he's, even as soon as next season, out of all those guys we mentioned, like, Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? It really depends on how Brent Seabrook's surgeries go. Because if he's – if he – he's having three surgeries. He's had three sur- – I believe he's either had or is having still three surgeries in the last month. Uh, that's not uh, great. <laughs> not great. Both hips, both hips and a shoulder. Um, it's kind of concerning. Those could be career-ending, depending on how they go. Uh, and he wouldn't have to go the Hosa route. Uh, he could be either in the uh, replacing Pat Foley in the booth or uh, in coaching or doing something within the organization in a millisecond uh, if he wanted to. Uh, or he could just be back on the ice playing not as well as he has in the past, but – Somewhat well, I don't think he got either way. I don't think he gets bought out. Uh, the, the buyout, yeah, the buyout calculator on Cat Friendly, it does not make sense to buy out Brent Seabrook. Um, the, the sort of relief you get is inconsistent. Um, and then you have that buyout would last eight years. Um, yeah. that is not a great deal for the Blackhawks. Uh, the two buyout actual people who would make sense are Oli Mata and Duncan Keith. Uh, the last one is very, is probably a very unpopular opinion, but his buyout makes a lot more sense for the Blackhawks than Seabrooks does. Uh, it was only six years, uh, three of which are below a million and the cap relief is consistent. They don't really have to like go plan like, Oh, we get a million here and then 800,000 here, then 3 million here. They get a million, a million, and Duncan Keith, if you look at his numbers this season, has not been playing up to expectations. I don't even he, – he shouldn't be playing with Adam Boquist. Adam Boquist needs an actual safety blanket like Connor Murphy. Um, I don't think Duncan Keith fits on the team, in all honesty, if they're going to try and contend for another cup. I, you mentioned that earlier, and I hadn't even thought about it. I, I, could, I could see a blue line. Like, if, if, if Mitchell and Bowden and – 
Boquist all materialize into what you hope they are, and Connor Murphy stays good, DeHaan comes back and he's healthy, and maybe Mod and Cuckoo are okay, you could see where Duncan Key services are no longer needed. I would I, – I think you would have to be damn, 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 damn sure – that all of those players are going to pan out before you even think about buying out Duncan Keith because I know you said the numbers aren't great, but I think the numbers are still good enough to where he probably needs to be around. I, I think that's like a way down like, like item number 20 where if one through 19 work out well, then you can explore that route. Uh, that It's going to take me a lot to get to that point. But uh, the guy I, you did mention and I, I thought you would start with was Eric Gustafson. Oh, yes. Uh, they sent him away immediately. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as possible. There we go. There we go. Uh, there it is. Give, give, again, give Connor Murphy a, just an actual pairing, an actual partner, somebody he can play with, and I think you'd watch a guy who should be a number one defenseman on this team become a number one defenseman on this team. There, there you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, like, one of the thoughts I had was at the deadline, again, another trade you could make is if Adam Boquist – pans out in the way he should, he becomes a better version of Eric Gustafson. So Eric Gustafson becomes redundant. You don't need him on the team anymore. I, I, like I, an ideal trade scenario, you trade away Eric Gustafson and get another more defensively oriented defenseman on the blue line to help out, which is with the depth and more de- defensive roles that allows, it takes some of the defensive burden away from Duncan Keith and away from Adam Boquist and guys that can help with other areas of the game where they're better at. So but again, I think everybody at the deadline is going to be wanting a more a more reliable top four defenseman. The the Blackhawks are going to want that, and so are fifteen other NHL teams that are in the playoff chase. If you got a team with a struggling power play, yeah. and there's a sixty point defenseman from last season available at the deadline, that's another guy in Eric Gustafson who could fetch a pretty decent haul at the trade deadline if he continues to play decent hockey he's been much better of late the whole team's been better of late but if he keeps trending up with an expiring contract that's going to be a really really interesting bargaining piece for uh, Stan Bowman to use at the deadline if they decide to do that uh Brandon Kane what about you I know you've got more eyes on some of the prospects so do you have any kind of feel or idea about where this team will be going in uh in direction on the blue line in terms of who'll be here and who won't be in uh, the next year or two well, last year they made a mistake not trading Gustafson. That's pretty clear now. Yeah, um, with, and with, I think with the, the reason they, Yeah, and the reason I think they didn't do that is because Bocos wasn't really hitting his stride in London during February, and he like really took off at the end of the season and then into the playoffs. So if he had that stretch kind of extended during that time, then they would have been like, oh yeah, like he's ready to go, um, and they would have shipped off Gustafson. Right. Um, the problem with the thought of Murphy Boquist pairing is that puts Murphy on his offside, and he definitely looks more comfortable being on the right than he does the left. Okay. So, right, but you couldn't try Broke Boquist on his offside. I mean, you could. That's just a nineteen-year-old kid who's still learning the defensive side of the game. So. Why throw another challenge at him? Right. Yeah, that's fair. I that's just, just the, the argument against that. I'm not saying it's like a total wrong idea, but that's probably their thinking of it. So, like, I think what they want 
is to have Bodan and Boquist be together because um, Bodan is more reliable defensively, um, mm. but you still have two offensive playmakers together um, instead of a more defensive-oriented one and then an offensive guy. So um, I think Mitchell can play both sides. So that kind of benefits them, and so can Cuckoo if they decide to keep him. Yeah, and I feel like Slater Cuckoo won't cost a lot of money. Like he's, I, I forget what his cap hit this year is not much at all, and I, I can't imagine he's nine twenty five. I can't imagine he'd. You could probably get him back for one and a half million per, and if he and Mata continue playing well in that third D pairing, you know that's that that's a that's a solid. A solid bargain deal because Mod is at four million, so maybe a little higher than you want. But I mean, the nice thing is you're going to have Boquist on an entry level deal, Ian Mitchell on an Ian uh, entry level deal, and maybe even Bowden on entry level deal. Although that is, you're putting a lot of onus on some young defensemen to develop quickly, and I think that's the one thing that concerns me about the way the Blackhawks are heading. So I think the other thing you have to think about with the defenseman is the upcoming expansion draft and who they can expose and who will be like automatically protected. And that's all those young guys. And then Mata's one that would probably be exposed. So that opens up a spot right away. Right. And you're also thinking like, you know, all these guys are going to pan out and no one's going to be traded away in a a package deal. Um, So like, is it two years ago already where we were trying to figure out like where Henestroza would be in the lineup and then he gets sent off on the post. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Every, that wasn't like the 19th different guy that we thought was going to be a permanent fixture in the lineup and then got traded away. Nick Schmaltz, I think was the biggest one for me. I thought Schmaltz was going to be the guy, one of the guys like the new piece of the core, what I think Dylan Strom is becoming quickly. And then he was gone. I mean, he's, that's what he's going to be in Arizona. So yeah, well, yeah, he's he's been everything I've seen. He's Him been and Barrett playing. Hayden, that's that's yeah. their one too. Yeah, a, a very interesting trade where both sides seem to benefit greatly from it. Like Strom's playing well in Chicago, and Schmaltz is doing well in Arizona. Like there doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in a trade. Both teams can benefit, and I think that was one pretty good example of it. Yep, and so. Well, we've been talking about all these defensemen, and, and one of the other interesting things in that situation is that if the Hawks need to add, decide to add some pieces, maybe even at this trade deadline, I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't know if the Hawks are going to go all in because, uh, I mean, you, you can't always rule out, like, Leonard and Crawford just going off for a month and maybe the Hawks make a deep playoff run. I would have to be – I would be very surprised if that would happen because um, it, it – I don't think the the eight seed making a deep playoff run happens as much as people think it would, but they certainly have the goaltending talent to do it. So I don't see it. But the whole reason I'm saying this is that if the Hawks do have defensive pieces to use, if they decide to make a trade this season and you put Seabrack on the LTIR and that does free up a fair amount of salary cap space for them this year. And I mean, I don't know which like you can trade, Maybe Dennis Gilbert gets traded. Maybe Gustafson gets traded. Maybe 
they decide that either Bowden or Mitchell is not going to be part of the future, and they trade one of those guys away to get a piece that can help them right now. So that that's another intriguing thing to watch in the upcoming uh, deadline. And it sounded like one of you guys were about to say something. No, me? No, never mind. All no. right, I'll, I'll have to edit this part out then. But anyway, but it seems like they do have some pieces to use at the deadline if they want to go that route. And I just, it's, I think the biggest thing is we're just going to have to see where they stand in three weeks because if they're still very much in the playoff chase when we get to late February, like, I, I doubt, I, I feel like they're going to try and make some moves. I feel like they're going to try and buy some players. And, and Shepard had a piece today where he was talking about some people that the Blackhawks could pick up on the blue line to help out a little bit to provide some more depth because you can never have enough, enough defensive depth. And Shepard, was there anybody else in that article that you – well, you can reference some of the guys in the article. Was there anyone else you were had an eye on that might be able to help this team out? So I think there's four guys the Blackhawks should have an eye on. Um, I'm going to go in order of, of the least heresy. Uh, sure. Sammy Vatanen probably makes a ton of sense, although he's going to be on the more expensive end. There's going to be a good bit of race of, of a race for him. Uh, Andy Green, also from the Devils. Pretty st- solid, reliable veteran presence. Good in the locker room. He's the captain. Holy shit. <laughs> Andy Green. Brendan Dillon from the San Jose Sharks. It's fair to say they'll probably be sellers at this point. Uh, and then the ultimate heresy, um, Alec Martinez, uh, the guy who beat the Blackhawks oh, in, God. I've, I've, I've in remember... the 2014 uh, uh, Game 7 overtime. Uh is likely going to be available. He's on an expiring deal. He's a pretty good defenseman. I would not mind seeing a Connor Murphy, Alec Martinez second pairing. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't hate it as much because, I mean, like you said, I don't think Alec Another Martinez. righty. <laughs> well, it's fun. Like, usually teams have a glutton of left handed defensemen. Right. I don't. Can Alec Martinez play on his offside? Maybe that'll help him. That's that's the one area of hockey that I'm still always like fishy about is uh, understanding the left and right defenseman situation. That you can't just you can't just have 19 defensemen. You have to understand which side they're going to play on because that was what makes a good pairing. That's why Keith and Seabrook were so good forever because Keith's a lefty and Seabrook's a righty. But Dave, can you even tell your left from your right? Because I I really can't sometimes. Do you you just you just got to do the LJ thing? Yeah, I I'm like Brandon. <laughs> I can tell my left from my right. Like I I, I will appreciate some self-deprecating moments, but I'm not going to go that far. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 been late. It's been a long day. I don't know. I I didn't get there yet. But uh, you got to leg up on Jim Boylan. <laughs> <laughs> I I I have no I have no basketball takes. I, and I, I don't want to make any because yeah, never mind. What is Chicago basketball? That's the Houston. That's the Houston. This guy. It's it's a yeah 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 yeah. Still, hey, get go Williams. Get, go get uh, uh, go get Don back and then come talk to me. <laughs> but so anyway, so anyway, with the Blackhawks. I'm um. I, I'm I'm just looking at the list of players on the team and in the system and. It just that this is the one thing I keep coming back to, and it feels like every time I scroll down, I see another name on the list, like Lucas Carlson. I keep hearing and reading good things about him in Rockford. Maybe he makes a jump at some point. And the the guy they got for in the Brendan Perlini trade back in September or October, 
Alec Regula from who's playing with the London Knights right now has a pretty good uh, – I've heard a lot of good things about him. And they had a second-round pick in this year's draft in Vlasic who could eventually be a guy in two or three years. So they have an excessive amount of defensemen, players, and prospects in the pipeline. And there's only six spots at the NHL level. And some of those guys, I feel like they're going to start going, and I feel like this trade deadline might be it. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This season was always going to be interesting because it felt like kind of a crossroads to where if the Blackhawks didn't win, they were going to get dangerously close to blowing up everything. Fire the GM, fire the coach, trade everybody. They've won. They've saved face a little bit. They're back in the playoff chase. I think they've, at least for the time being, kind of pushed back the uh, the window. They, they've cracked open that window that was rapidly slamming shut in all their faces. And again, I go back to what we were discussing at the top that as long as Patrick Kane is playing at the level he is, I think the Hawks still have some sort of chance. But before we wrap this whole thing up, I want to go back to what Shepard said at the top about Jeremy Colleton because, like, the issues with the system and all that. And I, and I see your point, and I can't refute it. Do you think there's an, the Hawks with the way things are – and Brandon, if you want to chime in, either one of you guys can answer this. But – is there enough time in whatever time they have left to potentially get this four Stanley cup where if they decided to make a coaching move, do you think there's enough time to get another guy in here that can put everything together and win the cup? Like, like, will they give up on Colleton in time? I guess is the question I'm asking. If it's the right coach. Yes. Okay. Another, another solid answer. That's why I appreciate Shepard. I appreciate the fact that you have, you, you are nothing if not consistently confident in your answers, which I am usually not, so that's credit to you. Brandon, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, that team down south one, so, like, really anything in the world can happen. <laughs> right, yeah. Still, I still still don't understand. Still can't believe that happened. Yeah, and I think that if they were to bring in another coach, it would be a recycled head coach. Oh, oh, absolutely. That yeah. would be their, their mantra. Like, again – making the cross sports comparison that we'd love to do on this podcast. It feels like Mark or Jeremy Colleton was kind of like the Mark Tressman move that the bears made. I'm not saying it's going to end like Tressman did that, you know, that's a whole other side, but it was going kind of outside of the box with a hire and getting someone new and different. And as soon as the Tressman era failed miserably in Chicago, they went and got John Fox who was an established NFL head coach. And I feel like the same thing will happen with the Blackhawks, where if Colleton uh, ends up losing his job, it's going to be Gerard Gallant or Peter DeBoer after he gets fired in Vegas, or I don't insert former NHL head coach here. I, and, and I'm saying all these other names when we all know the answer is Mark Crawford, who's going to be the next Blackhawks head coach. He will, he will be the next Blackhawks interim head coach. We'll see, uh, we'll see if he's the yeah. head coach. I, I would I, wager I, – I would love either either head coach from 
the start of this season of the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a, guy, there's a guy in the minors in Chicago who, again, oh, we know we there's I know. Yeah, we know you like Rocky Thompson. You know, you know my take on Rocky. Thompson. I know you're you're a huge Rocky Thompson guy. I get it. Uh, I I don't. I can't say I identify with it, but it's like it reminds me of uh, from the Water Boy. Every time uh, Dan Fouts would say, "Last game of the year, Brent can't hold it back anything back now." We know. We know. But uh, I I would put heavy sums of money on the Blackhawks' next head coach being Mark Crawford, no matter what. I I feel like that's that's going to be the move, no matter what they do. So. Uh, I'm out of questions to ask you two for this podcast. So I will ask you for any other final thoughts about charting a course to the Blackhawks fourth Stanley cup that we hope to God happens in the next two or three years. I like Mark Crawford as an assistant. I don't mind. I don't think he'd be a bad interim head coach. Uh, I don't think you should make him the head coach right now. And for the love of God, please don't hire Mike Babcock. (laughs) Oh, I, I feel like Mike Babcock may not get another head coaching job in the NHL after the way all that stuff. Here's the thing though, is that after all the other allegations that followed him, what he did doesn't seem that bad anymore. That's true. But I, I, I I should take back what I said. It's, it's the NHL. Someone's going to give him a job. That's just the way the NHL works. They don't try anybody new almost ever. The Blackhawks were a surprising exception to that. But for the most part, I mean, even when the Blackhawks hired Joel Quenville a decade ago, it absolutely worked out. Don't get me wrong, but Quenville had coached for about 20 seasons before he came to Chicago, and he was two other divisional opponents even. So, Brandon Kane, I know you've been slightly quiet. So what do you have any other final thoughts on whatever it is we were just talking about for the last 45 minutes? So if the Blackhawks don't do anything toward the trade deadline, do you think there's more pressure for the Blackhawks to fire Colleton if they don't make the playoffs? Like if they just stand pat? Mm. Yes. Maybe. Well, probably. Yes. Yeah. I I think, I I think it's going to be the, um, yeah, I, I to answer your question, I think there will definitely be more pressure on him to get to the get this team to the playoffs, and I think the like, I think Carlton's definitely at, at a very minimum he's extended his job through the rest of the season, and I'm still not ruling out the fact that he figures everything out and maybe he ends up being the guy that leads the Hawks to the Cup. He's still very young in his career, so it's it's hard to I don't want to take a firm stance one way or the other with him just because he's probably still learning a lot of things on the fly. But I think he's at, at a minimum, he's saved his job through the rest of the season. But over the next two months, I could see a scenario where if the Blackhawks you know, fall apart catastrophically, he loses his job in April at, at the end of the regular season with the Blackhawks. Like if they plummet down to like the lottery again, you know, even, even if there's injuries involved, if they plummet that far down in the standings again, he's probably going to be out of a job. Especially Black the, Monday. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe, maybe good things happen and he ends up taking them to the playoffs and they win a series or two. Who knows? 
it's going to be very interesting to watch. We hope you come back to this podcast as it's happening to uh, chime in with our show. But thank you very much for listening to this episode. Feel free to visit secondcityhockey.com. We've got plenty of content coming out this week in the bye week. Can't wait to have a podcast next week where we're going to talk about actual Blackhawks hockey and things that are happening on the ice. We'll definitely have a show uh, in the middle of next week coming up again, probably whatever day the Hawks don't have a game, but we'll, we'll deal with that next week. But stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. Brandon Kane's at Brandon M. Kane. Shepard Price doesn't have Twitter anymore, so never mind that idea. But Or follow the main account at 2ND City Hockey. Rate, subscribe, follow us on iTunes, leave, say nice things about us, leave us five stars. All those really good things. Please do all of those things for us. We'd much appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next week. And go Hawks. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.